Pastor Ed Taylor speaks of our responsibility as Christians in a world that is morally and spiritually on the decline. The church of Jesus Christ has a responsibility in a culture that trusts in themselves and trusts in their own advancements and trust in their own inventions and their own knowledge and their own progress and their own economies and their own social systems. They they trust in things that are apart from God that have left them empty and desperate for more. The church has a responsibility on earth. We have a responsibility to live out our faith. This is amazing grace. with you and welcome to another Abounding Grace broadcast. We're spending some extra time here in Daniel chapter 12. If you'll recall, Daniel was told what he's writing is for the end times. Seal it up and when the end comes, the book will be open and understood. Well, here we are, the end of 2020 and living in the end times. So Pastor Ed Taylor is taking this opportunity to help us understand the times and respond appropriately. As we turn back to Matthew 24 and Daniel 12, Pastor Ed says, expect things to get worse as the coming of the Lord approaches. Things are not going to get better apart from God. It is going to get worse. And listen, despite the fact that mankind has increased in scientific, medical, historical, educational, psychological, and technological knowledge to such an astounding degree, so rapidly, man has not, and woman has not in any way, shape, or form, changed his own basic nature and has not improved society. Man is still separated from God because of his sin. As much of improvements that we may see and all the advances that man It's almost like it's just a a centimeter of progress. And most of the time, that centimeter of progress, what man calls progress, is actually regress because they begin to trust in what they've done instead of trusting in God. Our confidence has increased, for sure. But our peace of mind has diminished. We have more information at our fingertips. For some of you, do you remember when you had, the only set of information you had was a set of encyclopedias in your house that were years old and out of date. Do you remember? Anybody amen that? Yeah, some of you don't. So you got Google and you just Google everything. You don't even type it anymore. Is it Google? I don't know this. Tell me about it. And Google will tell you everything you need to know. Or Siri will tell you sometimes. They really need to improve Siri. She'll tell you sometimes. But back in the day, we had out-of-date encyclopedias that our parents took a loan out to pay for from the guy walking through our neighborhood selling them. We used to have to go to the library and pull out these large drawers and look through the cards to find out the book that we're looking for and then to find out what row is in. And it was, it was nothing like you that are younger. You got it made. There's so much progress. 
that's been made in your day and age so quickly, so rapidly. So you, you, I share in some of you things, you're going to have to Google what I said to understand what it means. But has the world really improved all that much? Is sin still abounding? Is chaos still ruling? Man has invented these things and discovered these things and, you know, we've put a man on the moon. We, have, we send people into space to a space station, but men still hate each other and still try to destroy each other. And there's still rampant sin. Our accomplishments have increased, but our sense of purpose and meaning have all but disappeared. Instead of improving the moral and spiritual quality of our lives, man's discoveries and accomplishments have simply provided new ways to show ourselves for what we really are. Selfish and self-centered, depraved, sinful, wicked. Modern man has just discovered new ways to corrupt and destroy himself. Much faster and much more rapid. We go from wars to greater wars. From immorality to greater immorality. From perversion to greater perversions. The spiral is downward, church. That's the biblical worldview. The spiral is downward, not upward. And friends, listen. We are not the church in heaven right now. We await the coming of the Lord. We want to be raptured, taken up in his presence. But we are not the church in heaven right now. We are the church on earth. And the church on earth has a responsibility. The church of Jesus Christ has a responsibility in a culture that trusts in themselves and trusts in their own advancements and trusts in their own inventions and their own knowledge and their own progress and their own economies and their own social systems. And they, they trust in things that are apart from God that have left them empty and desperate for more. The church has a responsibility on earth. We have a responsibility to live out our faith. Now I want to show you a scripture. We haven't turned to anywhere tonight. So turn back to 1 Chronicles. I want to show you a scripture because this is so good. And you may be familiar with it, but we're introduced to the tribe of Issachar or the sons of Issachar. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, I want you to mark this. Because they set a pattern for us. In their day, they set a pattern for us in our day. I draw your attention when you get there to verse 32. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And by the way, if you just kind of overview chapter 12 right now, and it's kind of a list, a genealogy. Today, this verse I'm sharing with you is one of the reasons why you read every verse in the Bible. Because if you skip verses, you're going to skip. Because you get through, oh, no, another genealogy. When you're reading through the Bible, you know, you got your Bible reading plan, and you're reading through the Bible, and you go, oh, another chapter of genealogies. Today's going to be fast. And you're just like, oh, there's chapter 12, 28,000, 40,000, 1,000, and then boom, you're done. Okay, so now I want you to show you why you read genealogies. There's a lot of reasons why, but here's one. You ready? I want you to notice how they're described. Verse 32. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. 
They understood the signs of the times. Like we've learned from Jesus, you understand the weather, and you can tell the weather, you should understand the times in which you live. We don't know the exact day, and we don't know the exact hour of Christ's return, but we understand the times and the seasons. And we want to be like the tribes of it, like the sons of Issachar, the leaders that they understood the times and they knew how to respond and lead the nation. They knew, I like that, how the New Living Translation, they knew the best course for Israel to take. Why? Because when tough times come, there are a lot of different choices on how to respond. Or you could say there's a lot of different courses to take. When, when the kids were young and we used to take them to miniature golf, uh, when you signed up for miniature golf, uh, we went to golf and stuff back in Downey or in Norwalk, wherever, whatever city it was in, and we, we would be able to go pay our way and you could choose the course. And there was a good course and there was an easy one and there was a complicated one and we got to go. That's, you know, they want you to come back multiple times. You get to choose the course. Well, life is like that. You and I get to choose the course of our life, the, the direction of our life, the path of our life. But it's best to understand the choices that you make by the days in which you live. Because different days require different courses. Now all the courses point to the end. They all get to the end. And the end is that faithful relationship in Jesus Christ. But how you get there is important. We can't overemphasize the purpose of the church, which is where I want to leave us today in our final moments. Turn over to Matthew now chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Why this revelation of the end times? Why can we open up the, the news on the Drudge Report? Or we can open up Microsoft News or Yahoo News or anywhere you get your new Denver Post and you're, you're surfing through and you're gaining all. Why can we open up the news and open up the Bible at the same time? Because God's revealing to you the days in which you live. And he wants you to set the right course. He wants you to set the right course for your family. Really, first for your life for your family, for your church. Those of you that have positions of leadership in the church, he wants you on the right course. This is no time to be messing around. This is no time not to take things seriously. This is no time to be taking excursions and shortcuts, getting off track. No, the days in which we live require a deeper endurance as we saw in, in our prayer time in Hebrews. Hey, this is the time that we don't grow weary in well-doing. We we're reminded in Galatians that we're not to grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. What? If you don't lose heart. So where's the enemy trying to throw his arrows in your life? To give you to lose heart and quit and give up and go off course. Oh, can you be happy going off course? Sure you can be happy. Can you enjoy things when you go off course? Sure. That's the temptation. The temptation is for happiness. The temptation is for fulfillment, but it'll never place you in that, you'll never be in that place of ful true fulfillment unless you're on the course that God has given to you. And it's set by understanding the times in which we live. I can't overemphasize to you the purpose of the church, which is really what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is his instruction on kingdom living on the earth. And if we just allow Jesus, just listen to his words. Let him, let, let, let Jesus shock you. Let Jesus 
offend you in some degree, although Jesus does say, don't be offended over me. It's easy to explain his words away so they're comfortable to us. It's easy to change their meaning so that they're not so challenging. And that's what chapter 5, 6, and 7 are all about. Jesus sets the tone of his ministry right in the beginning of Matthew. And notice in verse 13, he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. So let me just ask the question and answer it out loud. Who is the salt of the earth? Just say me. Say me. So I, uh, let's say me. Let's all say it. I'll give you the word. You can just say me. Who is the salt of the earth? Okay, so now you know it. Some of you didn't say it, so we're not going to let you go home. You've been away for so long, we're going to make you make up three months of not being here. Who is the salt of the earth? But what good? So listen, salt. What good? And let me put it this way. What good are you if you have lost your flavor? Salt. What good are we? if we've lost our flavor. Notice what he says. He says, can you make it salty again? It'll just be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Mark that word as worthless. So now we learn from Jesus that salt can have worth and salt can be worthless. Part of what he says here, salt's purpose is to be salty, (laughs) flavorful. And when salt loses its flavor, it loses its purpose. And when it loses its purpose, it is worthless. Who's the salt? Think about that. Jesus said there could be the possibility that because you're no longer salty, you're trampled and thrown away because you're not being used at what God has made you to be, the salt and the light. Scientists tell us that the human body needs salt to function. Sodium is the main component of the body's extracellular fluids, and it helps carry nutrients into the cells. Sodium also helps regulate other bodily functions, such as blood pressure, fluid volume, and sodium works on the lining of blood vessels to keep the pressure balance normal. And now 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that the world needs salt. The world needs salt. The world needs spiritual nutrition, spiritual regulation. From the context of the day, salt was used in that day as a preservative. There wasn't refrigeration, so salt was rubbed into meats to prevent decay. Salt was so valuable that some Roman soldiers were paid in salt. You might have heard the phrase that you be worth your salt, your weight in salt. Why? Because it was a valuable commodity. It was desired and wanted. Salt was also a popular flavoring agent for all the bland foods. It brought zest and life to an otherwise dull food. You can relate to this. Some of you, because of your diet, because of what the doctor said, you have to do the low-sodium diet. Boo! Because you had your last McDonald's french fries without salt. And they're not the same. (laughs) Try it. Go ahead and try it. You're probably starting to salivate right now as you think. There's a McDonald's, probably 10 of them on the way home. And it's the first thing I smell when I'm fasting. 
I haven't had McDonald's fries in forever, but if I start fasting, every McDonald's fry starts falling into my backyard. And they're super good with salt. But some of you on a diet that's minimizing salt, it's difficult. It's challenging. Imagine the world without salt, without salty Christians. And I don't mean salty in the way of being a smart aleck. I mean flavorful, real believers that live in love and minister the gospel and love others with agape love. Jesus is telling us today in Colorado that we can either have a purifying, preserving, thirst-creating effect or the world will just ignore us and walk all over us. Sometimes what gets defined as the world walking over the church actually isn't the world walking on over the church at all. Jesus defines the world walking over the church and having effect over the church, not whether we gather into a room or not. That, that is, no, Jesus says this, if you're salty and you're salt in this world, you will have an effect and the world will either respect you or deal with you. But if you're not salty, the world will walk on you and ignore you. And you just got to let Jesus' words sink in and ask yourself where you are. Ask ourselves where we are as a church. Jesus is telling us that we have potential to bring hope, love, purity, to bring spiritual nutrition, forgiveness into a world that so desperately needs it. That the answer to the issues in the world's heart across the board, anyone separated from God, what the world truly needs is a love relationship with God. Not only that, but Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Who is the light of the world? Oh, well, let's learn what Jesus has to say about you right now and me. You're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, and here's how you shine the light, and here's how you're salty. You ready? In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You ladies that have been studying through the book of James, you've already wrestled with this. This sense of deeds and where do faith and deeds come into play. I thought I was saved by faith. You are. But then uh, faith without works is what? dead. You go, wait a minute. What do you mean? Am I saved by my works? No. True faith leads to works. You've not been, you've heard this phrase, you've not been saved by good works. You've been saved for good works. And your good works are to be seen by the world. That is often interpreted as reputation, what you're known by. Every church has a reputation. Every believer has a reputation. And I know sometimes they get it wrong. I know. We can't control our reputation, right? There could be people lying and saying bad things, slandering. I'm not speaking to that piece. That's a different Bible study. Because God, you know, he develops our character. And, and sometimes people get our reputation wrong. But we have to understand something. And you just got to take this to heart. Sometimes people get our reputation right. We can't just always excuse, oh, they don't know. Oh, they don't know. Oh, they don't know. But what can they know? but your good deeds or lack of. What can they know? 
So you don't know my heart. You're right, I don't know your heart, but I can listen really carefully to your words. I know your words, what you write, what you say, what, what gets put out on social media. I know your words. Well, how could you know my heart? Glad you asked. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. To right away, someone gets defensive and go, well, I didn't speak it, I typed it. Oh, okay, all right, all right. You live that way and find yourself not salt and not light and live up to the reputation that the world's already pegged you. See, there's something greater for us. This is the will of God for our lives. But we can bring flavor to a flavorless world. We can bring light to a darkness. Light chases away the darkness. Like when, when you, when everybody leaves today in this room and then everyone turns in for the evening at home, we turn out the lights and it's dark. You know, with maybe the exception of night lights and such, but it's dark. And in the dark, you don't need a floodlight in the dark. You can light a match in the dark. And it will, everywhere that light is, everywhere that, that little flashlight you might have, or light a match, light a lighter, any, any bit of light chases, it dispels. They can't exist at the same time. Let your light so shine, church. Follow through in obedience, church. Repent of your sins, church. Confess them to God. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Admit you were wrong. Submit to God. Deny yourself. These are all Christianity 101 in our lives. Why? So that we can be the salt. We don't want to be thrown and walked all over. We want to have the moral integrity of the Spirit backed up by our behavior. That even if someone tries to slander, you know it's not true. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You're like a city that can't be ignored. There's a church in town that their, their vision is to make Jesus non-ignorable, I think. I think is what they, something along those lines. Like their goal is to make sure that nobody in our city, in our metro area, will ignore Jesus. I think that's great. I think it's a great, noble goal for a church to be the light. They're basically saying, we're the light. We're on the hill. Nobody can ignore us. No, no one's going to be able to overlook us. We're going to shine the light by our deeds. Our deeds are going to be so, shine so brightly for all to see so that our Father gets all the praise. Light chases away darkness. And this dark world needs revelation and spiritual understanding. Again, remember the worldview of the world today? Uh, our biblical worldview is that it's dark. And even in the darkest of dark times, even a little light will go a long way. Standing in the gap on behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we've been in the book of Daniel today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. There you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us, and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app, do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. 
This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can make a secure donation to the ministry online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Ed Taylor is the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we invite you to join us online during the Christmas season. There's a Saturday evening service at 6 and two Sunday morning services at 845 and 1045. And you can also join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's the Mountain Time Zone. You can live stream at calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Daniel. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.